Support for Under the Radar comes from Wellwithall. Wellwithall believes that self-care is community care. Premium products crafted for your daily wellness, from sleep support to heart health to your daily regimen. 20% of Wellwithall's profits are committed to leading the fight for health equity. They won't stop until it is truly Wellwithall. I'm Callie Crossley, and this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. And now for the part of the show we call Lanya. That's Creole for something extra. Thurgood Marshall, who ascended to the nation's highest court as the first African-American justice, honed his renowned legal skills, crisscrossing the South in the pre-civil rights years. He won many of his cases defending black citizens living under oppressive Jim Crow segregation. But one of his biggest victories happened above the Mason-Dixon line in Bucolic, Connecticut, a dramatic case told in the new movie Marshall. Marshall opened this weekend in theaters across the country. Director Reginald Hudlin joins me now to discuss the film from the studios of National Public Radio in Culver City, California. Hudlin is also a writer and producer, co-producing last year's Academy Awards ceremony. He is also the former head of Black Entertainment Television. Reginald and his brother Warrington produced the popular 1990s film House Party. Reginald, welcome to Under the Radar. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, I'm excited about this film. I saw it a couple of weeks ago, and it is thrilling. And that's the way to describe it. I think a lot of people will look at a film about a real person who has passed and say, well, this is a a biopic or, you know, a biographical picture. And it's not that. It really, um, you did something different here. You took a piece of Thurgood Marshall's life one single case to really talk about who he was and what he was doing in his early years, which led him then to end up on the Supreme Court. Talk about that. Yeah, I wanted to make a movie that people would enjoy if it didn't start Thurgood Marshall. You go, is this a good legal thriller? Will you be on the edge of your seat the whole time? And it happens to feature the greatest attorney in American history. That was my intent. And you've had such a multifaceted career, as we've mentioned, doing so many different kinds of things. I have to say I was surprised that you took on this this film, even with your description as saying, you know, it could be without him and still be a really great legal thriller as it is. Um, What drew you to the project? I've always been a huge Thurgood Marshall fan. You know, I almost named my son Thurgood, but I thought better of that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> thought that's a little too much weight for the little fella. But when the opportunity came to do a theatrical feature film about him, that's a very unique and rare opportunity. And you're right. A lot of people go, oh, really? This is another part of you? I mean, if you don't know me, then you don't know how eclectic I, I really am. And I guess the body of work kind of reveals it. But I think this movie shows the general public a lot more the other sides of Reggie. So it's interesting about the one-case approach because, uh, as I've learned, this was written by a father and son from Connecticut, Michael Mm -hmm. Koskoff and Jacob Koskoff, attorney and screenwriter, I should say, Michael Koskoff. And this is something they had written nine years ago and tried to get people interested and nothing happened there. And yet this go-around, things came together when you became interested in it. The case is about Connecticut versus Joseph Spell, and we should say that Joseph Spell is a black man who's accused of raping his employer, and he works as her chauffeur. 
And this is in 1940-41, the period of time that we're talking about. So how did you come to know about it? It's been out there for nine years. What attracted you? I mean, what brought you to it? We, we know what attracted you. Paula Wagner, who's a producer on the project, uh, she got it and she loved it. And she talked with a couple of people around town and they kept saying, well, you know, you should call Reggie about this. You know, you know Reggie would really take to this material. And we knew each other both from our years together when we were both on the Paramount lot and the fact that we're both on the UCLA Film School Board. So she sent me the script, and I was like, well, hell, let's go. And it was a difficult journey. Even after I got involved, you know, we kind of reshaped the script a little bit. Then we attached the talent. And even still, couldn't get any major studios to get on board. So fortunately, we found some outside financiers, and we made the film independently. Well, you have an all-star cast, we should mention. Kate Hudson, James Cromwell, Josh Gad, and Sterling K. Brown. And many people know for his work on This Is Us. He just won an Emmy, I think, for that. And, of course, the outstanding Chadwick Bosman, who plays the young Thurgood Marshall in the film. If people are searching in their minds, now, where have I heard that name? He also played Jackie Robinson in a film about his breaking the color barrier in baseball. And most recently, the legendary singer and performer James Brown. So he's kind of a... A guy who knows the way around playing real life people, but he's he immerses himself so much that you actually I I don't see him, which is a great compliment to him. I feel as though I'm looking at Thurgood Marshall on the screen. Yeah, I mean, he is uh, extraordinary, and yes, in fact, he was concerned about playing another real life character. He did not want to do that. Uh, he read the script basically because we like each other and wanted to work together, and he loved the script. Then he was concerned about his appearance. He doesn't really look like they're good. But I knew that his performance would be transcendent, which, of course, it is. Well, let's listen to a clip from the movie. And this is um, Thurgood Marshall, played by Chad Bozeman, as we've just said. Josh Gad is there. You don't hear him in this clip. But he's playing uh, Sam Friedman, who ends up working with Thurgood Marshall on this case. And they're visiting Joseph Spell, played by Sterling K. Brown, in his jail cell. The NAACP were not like most lawyers. We only represent innocent people, people accused because of their race. That's our mission. You understand? So I need to know this. Look at me now. Did you do what they said you did? I never touched that woman. Okay, Joseph. You got lawyers now. So, Reginald Hudlin, talk about what was at stake in that moment in the case. Because, as we've said, Thurgood Marshall is 32 years old. He's a young guy. He still had a great reputation even at that young age. He's representing the NAACP. He's, in fact, the only lawyer for the NAACP. So what he did there was going to reflect on the organization and impact it in the long term. Yeah, I mean, the stakes are pretty high on a bunch of different levels. This is kind of a origin story of a, a real-life superhero, Thurgood Marshall. And you'd think of Thurgood Marshall and that, for that matter, the NAACP as these indomitable institutions that are forever fixed. But that's not the case at the time. Basically, Thurgood Marshall not only was the only attorney for the NAACP, he was sort of their chief fundraiser. And based on whether he won or lost a case, donations to the NAACP rose or fell. 
So at the start of the film, he's losing a case in Oklahoma. Again, there was this kid who was going to be sentenced to death for a crime he did not commit, and Thurgood gets some, you know, life. But in Thurgood's eyes, it's, it's still a failure because the kid was innocent. So he arrives back in New York. He wants to take time off to be with his lovely pregnant wife. And Walter White, the head of the NAACP, says, no, 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 you're getting on another train and you're going to Connecticut because this case, uh, this rape case, has become a tabloid sensation. And as a result, employers in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut are all firing their black housekeeping help. And if you are black in 1940 and you can't work as a domestic, there's no safety net. Your family is going to starve. So the economic impact is huge. So for the sake of all these black folk affected by this scandalous story, and for the sake of the NAACP, he has to win the next case. And it is not an open and shut case. The defendant is not Rosa Parks. He's not some guy with a spotless record. In fact, just the opposite. So it's very much an uphill battle. And the thing about it is what comes through, which has been reflected in many biographies about Thurgood Marshall, is his dedication to the work that he did pretty singularly during those days and in dangerous times, and also his commitment to the law. I want to play another clip, which just gives you a taste of that kind of commitment to the law. This is a clip from the trailer of Marshall the Film, and it really articulates Thurgood Marshall's belief in the law. This here is Mr. Thurgood Marshall. Man is an attorney. You will treat him with the respect that he deserves. My great-granddaddy, he was a slave. We're not slaves now, are we? We've got weapons we didn't have before. We've got the law. So here's the other thing, Reginald Hudlin. You... Uh, have picked a time well before anybody could even have imagined. Nobody could even have articulated that Thurgood Marshall would end up on the Supreme Court. I mean, that was a fantasy. That would, couldn't even be a fantasy. <laughs> nobody would. Nobody. It would be. You would sound crazy if you said it. Really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there were places that he was going during that time where they had never seen a black attorney. Mm-hmm. That was the time. And yet he still, even living in these oppressive times, believed so strongly that the law would lead he and his people out of the oppression. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he's the embodiment of the idea that, you know, freedom starts between your ears, right? I mean, whether it's Thurgood Marshall in 1940, with his, whether it's Nelson Mandela trapped in prison but still acting like the rightful leader of uh, the nation, I mean, there are people whose, whose mentality, whose carriage is so powerful that they end up reshaping the minds of the most prejudiced, biased people around them. And that's what Thurgood did. He would walk into these courtrooms, uh, as you said, have never seen a black attorney before, in a town where they would lynch you after dark if you were black. And his intent was, I'm going to make you change your mind. It's an impossible task, and he did it over and over again. And it takes an arrogance. It takes a cockiness and a selflessness, that combination that makes him a unique character in American history. 
I'm Callie Crossley, and you're listening to Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. My guest is Reginald Hudlin, director of the new movie Marshall. It's about Thurgood Marshall. The movie chronicles one of Thurgood Marshall's early legal victories. What I really liked about the film is that you could have presented him as the brilliant, completely intellectual person that he is and very inspiring. We would all, you know, look at him and go, wow, I, you know, I could only hope to be that. But what I loved about it is you presented his personality. I've done so much reading about him in Will Haygood's book, The Showdown, in The Brethren by Bob Woodward, The Nine, Jeffrey Tubin. In all of those books, they portray him as a real character. I mean, a real character with a kind of a cheeky sense of humor. And in this very intense film about this intense case, you allowed us to see that part of him. Yeah, I was just with one of his former clerks who said, Thurgood, who referred to the chief justice, goes, hey, chiefy baby. Exactly. (laughs) That was uh, Chief Justice Warren Berger. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, the fact is he, he got in trouble in school for practical jokes. I mean, he always had an incredible sense of humor. And you know, they say humor is a sign of intelligence, so not surprising. And to quote the great George Clinton, nothing is good unless you play with it. So all that seemed very consistent to me. But to your bigger point, I hate what I call medicine movies. Mm. Like, oh, go see this. It's good for you. Take this big spoon of cod liver oil. I mean, that's painful. My thing is people work all week. You know, they want to have a good time. They want to see a date movie. And believe it or not, Thurgood, you know, this movie about Thurgood Marshall is, in fact, a date movie. People laugh a lot more than they expect to laugh. Uh, Then they get choked up. Then they feel pumped up and inspired. So it has to work on that level or else all the other good stuff that happens to come along with it doesn't mean anything. Well, that is true, and you accomplished that. It's great. Now, here's the other part of the story that I think is going to surprise people. Because the movie is called Marshall, and it's about him, and it's his story, we find that he is constricted in getting to the victory that he eventually gets in this case because the judge will not allow him to be accepted temporarily into the Connecticut bar, meaning he can't speak in the courtroom. I mean, I literally just gasped when that happened on screen. I did not know this story. So now what's going to happen? Well, he's got to have somebody to work with him. I mentioned uh, Josh Gad playing Sam Friedman. So he links up with this guy, Sam Friedman, who had never been in a criminal case. He was in civic cases. He's an insurance attorney, essentially. And they form a partnership. He reluctantly joins him, uh, but they do. Here's a clip from the film. I need a partner who the jury can relate to. Sam Friedman, good to meet you, Sam. Hey, give me a hand with these, would you? What have you got in here, cement? Guns. Books, Mr. Friedman. You just sweep through town, stirring up all kinds of ugliness. My life is on the line here. Hey, Attorney Friedman, hold on a minute. What do you want? You're one of us now, Sam. A real fighter. Um, Reginald, one of the things that you did with the character of Sam Friedman, also a real-life person, was to let us know about his background as well and to let us see that both of them were suffering under different kinds of oppression and prejudices of the time. That was really important, I think, for people to understand, and from his viewpoint, very different from what was happening with Thurgood Marshall, but still very real and very scary. Yeah, I mean, you know, the fact is, at the same time, you have this terrible racism and Jim Crow. 
against black Americans, you have a war in Europe, which is a war over white supremacy. The Nazi belief system was they were a master race. And I think it's unfortunate that people don't connect that those two things were happening at the same time. And they're two different expressions of the same sickness. And that is the basis of a bigger partnership between blacks and Jews, which had a dramatic effect on the American landscape. These two parties coming together to force America to fulfill the promise of its constitution was a transformative event in American history. It, it made the American promise real. And to watch uh, Sam Friedman's character take defense direction from Thurgood Marshall's character in this, because this is how they had to operate, where Thurgood Marshall had to sit at the defense table quietly and write notes for Sam Freeman to articulate. That was something. I just want to note for people, because you you did do the masterful, I thought, putting that history into the film about uh, Sam Friedman. The trial, the Joseph Spell, the Connecticut versus Joseph Spell trial, began on January 1941. At the end of 1941, for people who know their history, we were at war with the Germans. So it's interesting what was happening just leading up in the time. So Sam Friedman had a lot going on in his and pressure on him as well about the bias and prejudice of the time. Now, something else I noticed that was very different. The credits listed a lot of Chinese names of investors. How did mm-hmm. that happen? Because the word on the street is that black films don't sell overseas. So why would Chinese investors be interested in this picture and this topic? Yes, my entire career, I've been told that black films don't travel internationally, and certainly there's no interest in black lives in the Pacific Rim, and that's that, and that will never change. However, like the Berlin Wall, things that seem to be solid forever suddenly vanish into thin air. In this case, we could not get an American movie studio to finance a film about a great American hero. However, there was a Chinese financing company that very much liked the script. What I've been told is there was a room, sort of the translation room, and all these young ladies were in the room and from China, and they all spoke English very well, and they're reading the script, and they loved it, and they were all sitting around talking about it, and the head of the company said, what are you all talking about? Oh, this movie, Marshall, we think it's great. And their American advisor was like, well, it is a great script, but it's really not what you're looking for. I don't know if this is the kind of movie you'd want to make. He said, well, I want to read it. And he read it, and he said, this is great. This is a, why wouldn't we want to make this movie? And so it happened. Well, congratulations. I mean, I think that's a huge undertaking there, and it may open up some other doors for many other people in the future and yourself. And I wanted Mm. to note that in this conversation. Now, last question. Obviously, by virtue of the last scene in the movie, and I'm deliberately not giving it away, you you see parallels between what happened during this particular time that Thurgood Marshall was in Connecticut. And we should mention that was 12 years before his biggest victory of Brown versus Board of Education, which is great people may know him from when he argued that case and won it and got the court to strike down segregation. You're linking by that last scene, I'm going to assume, parallels between what happened then and now. And I wanted you to Mm -hmm. speak a little bit about that without giving away that last scene. Sure. Well, I think the bottom line is freedom ain't free. And... Every generation has to fight for it. People get thrown by that. They go, well, wait a minute. We fought this battle. Why do we need to fight it again? Because that's the unfortunate nature of the world. So it's now our generation's turn. 
and it can be overwhelming. And people look at what's happening in the news, and it feels like our country's being torn apart. And it feels like the forces that are spreading division and hatred seem like they have the advantage. And what are we going to do? So when you see a film like this and you see two people who are not from the same place, who don't agree on everything, but they both have a commitment to the truth. And at a time that the truth is under attack, the notion of truth is under attack, the idea that, look, if we commit to fair American principles, if we believe in a, a legal system that is, you know, doesn't have a finger on the scale, that we can win, that justice and truth can win, and that ultimately truth can set us free. That should give us hope, should give us inspiration. We did it before, we can do it again. Reginald Hudlin, congratulations on a very, very exciting, wonderful film, I think. It's a popcorn movie for anybody listening to me right now. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Reginald Hudlin is the director of the new movie, Marshall. The movie is in theaters now. That's it for this edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. Join us next Sunday at 6 p.m. for the stories you may have missed. In the meantime, you can find our show, links to stories we discussed today, and bonus content on the web at news.wgbh.org slash UTR. Listen to our show on the WGBH app and take UTR with you. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Be sure to connect with us on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Callie Crossley and find us at Facebook.com slash Under the Radar WGBH. Our engineer is Doug Sugarts. Andrea Swahi is our producer. Under the Radar is a production of WGBH. Mm-hmm.